Well, that was a little bit of a teaser video of where we are going. Um, <clears throat> whilst it may not look like it, I am actually very excited about today. Um, I actually, I'm very excited about this, this next four, four Sundays in a row. Um, because today we launch our vision series for 2024. And um, I say we because um, <clears throat> I'm going to be speaking weeks one and three. Pastor Amber is going to be speaking next week. And then the fourth week after our three-week vision series, we have got uh, an international guest speaker coming all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. His name is Dr. Ed Delph. And, uh, oh, I don't know for how many years, but for decades he has been called by God to travel the world, and he literally speaks into what I'm going to be speaking into for the next, well, we're going to be speaking into for the next three weeks. And so I'm pretty excited about that. And then on the, the, that, that Sunday evening, so the first weekend of March, that Sunday evening, uh, we're actually throwing the whole, we're going to throw all the doors open, and I've invited every church in town to come and join us for our first big combined service for the year here on that Sunday evening, and Dr. Delph, Dr. Ed is going to be speaking at that as well. So get ready for four phenomenal Sundays. There is a, a powerful Māori proverb that says this, kamua kamuri, which means walking backwards into the future. This proverb encourages us to look to the past to inform us of the future. And it speaks of a journey that has been, a journey that we are on, and a journey that we are going into. And so, like I said, for the next three Sundays, we're going on a journey. Uh, today, we're going to have a look at the journey that we've been on. Next week with Amber, we're going to look at the journey where we are at right now. And then the week after that, I'm going to be speaking into where I believe God is calling us and continuing us in. And it's very, very appropriate that we use the word journey when we think around vision. Because you see, the word vision, it's not a destination. And I think we are so quick these days of, we're, we're, so, we're seeking uh, gratification and satisfaction so quickly and so immediately, everything around us has this destination mindset. If I could get this, then I would be. Or if I could get there, then I would be. But actually, vision is not about destination. Vision is about journey. Vision is about a calling. It's about a mission, a journey, a walk, a walk of faith, a walk into something that God is calling us into. I love it says in the scriptures that he who is faithful, who he who began a good work in us, is faithful to continue it and keep going on it until Jesus himself returns. Now, none of us actually know when that's going to happen. And so that means that that work, that journey is going to keep going until. Vision is calling, vision is mission. And so today we are going to be continuing our journey, but we're going to walk backwards into the future. Kamuri, kamua kamuri. So before we go anywhere else, I'd just like us to pause and pray into this. Come on, let's lean in. Holy Spirit. Whew. 
living God, we, we know that you are here by the word. Your word says if two or more gather in your name, you're in our midst. So we know that factually by your word. We know that's the truth. So, Lord, we know that intellectually. But, God, my request of you this morning is that we would know that by encounter, personally and corporately. Come, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth, the spirit of revelation. You are the one who reminds us of everything that Jesus said. So, Holy Spirit, would you be spectacularly active, even more so than you already have been this morning? Speak into our hearts, into our minds. Set our spirit on fire. Today I pray in Jesus' name. You are welcome in this place. Amen. I just want to, um, I just wanted to specifically acknowledge uh, all of you who are visiting with us this morning, both on-site and online. Can we give it up for our online whānau this morning? Hey, great to have you here. <clears throat> From whatever town, city, or nation you're joining us from. God bless you. So good that you are here joining us. Thank you. But I want to pause and acknowledge that because um, maybe you're, you're new here at Elam. Maybe you're just visiting with us today. Or maybe you've been asking God, you've been on a journey and you've been asking God, where is it you want me to be planted? Because actually that's quite scriptural too. The Bible says that God plants us. My prayer, my hope is that Today is not just informative for all of us, or visitors or new people, but actually it plants something in your hearts. And you know what, if you are just visiting with us today, and it's just you're in and, and you're out, then I please, don't feel that this is not for you this morning. Don't feel that, because maybe, if you'll allow the Holy Spirit, maybe something of what I share this morning, He can plant in your heart, and I give you permission to steal it and take it home. <laughs> no, don't steal it. Just take it. It's yours. All right. So let's jump in. So why is it important to have vision and direction? Proverbs 29 verse 18, and I use, this, I use this scripture every time I speak on vision. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. In the Passion Translation, it says that, um, people quickly wander astray if they don't uh, attend to what Jesus reveals. And I mean, we see that, you know, people without leadership, people without direction, just wander aimlessly. Uh, perhaps another analogy, which I've used before as well, if you are a Disney fan, um, uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass, I don't know if that's Disney or not, but anyway, Alice Through the Looking Glass, talking to the Cheshire Cat, she goes, would you please tell me which way I ought to go from here Cheshire Cat replies, well, that depends on where you want to get. Alice says, well, actually, I don't much care, or I don't care much where. And the cat responds, then, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which way you go. But actually, you know what? I'm convinced that we should care. We absolutely should care. In fact, our purpose, the mission that God has given all of mankind, was given right back at the start of the book. Right back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28 out of the message translation, God created human beings reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. And this is what he said, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth. Jump forward into Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 out of the complete Jewish Bible, the translation it says, Adonai, God, took the person and put him in the garden of Eden, to cultivate and care for it. 
We have a two-part mission that God gave all of humanity right at the very beginning of our existence. The first one is this, that we were called to reproduce and fill the earth with what? The specific purpose was to carry the reflection of God everywhere we went. A little bit similar to what we have on our wall, bringing the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our world. Believers were called by God to fill the whole earth. But you see, in chapter 2, it says that he put mankind in the garden to what? To cultivate and care for it. You know where that mission starts? Right here at home. Right here at home. Cultivating and caring for where God has planted us so that we then can learn and grow in our ability to reflect our King so that when we do step outside the doors... When we do step into our world, we reflect the king. Now, we've already talked a little bit this morning about a fire. Give us a fresh, fresh fire. I was telling the nine o'clock that I was a scout. I was the first at the fire and I was the last at the fire. I was just a, sorry, Matt, I am a closet pyromaniac, <laughs> a resident fiery, but I'm a safe pyromaniac, if you can have one of those. I love fires. But, you know, it's really interesting when you think about the glow of a fire, if it's not fed, it fades. You read in the Old Testament that when Moses spent 40 days in the actual presence of God, he came down off the mountain and his face was glowing and it terrified everybody. And so he put a veil over his face. But guess what? The glow faded. You know what Moses did? He kept the veil over his face so people didn't realize the glow faded. We need to stay in the presence of God. We need to be able to reflect him and to be able to reflect him everywhere we go, we need to cultivate and care for here. It's been my habit uh, for many, many years now that in the last or in the latter part of each year, I start, to, I start to pester God about the year to come. And I start asking Him for a word that will be a focal point for the direction of the coming year. And true to His often repeated grace, thank you, Jesus, uh, He did it again for me. And as I was talking to Him, He gave me a two-word phrase, connected momentum which just really started to light, light my fires and spin my tires. I got really excited about it, and I was talking about this with the team in, in, our, in the staff room one day, because I thought, is there one word for connected momentum? And there actually is, and that word is concatenation. But that's like a double axle wheelbarrow with 100 kilograms of concrete in it. And I thought, that's a, that's a weird word, <laughs> concatenation. There's your vision statement. No. Anyway, so I was talking about it with the team over coffee. Great thing to do. You can do a lot of business over coffee. And in that conversation, a singular word began to form. And at this singular word, when we dig into it, it goes wider, it expands, it increases, and it creates a further reach. And that word for 2024 is this, nexus, which you saw on the video clip. Nexus means connected momentum. So what? let me just dig deeper into that word. What does nexus mean? It's a series of connections linking two or more people or things or events. It is a central focal or focal point that activates and releases. If you want to get really practical, the Times Square subway station in New York is the nexus for the whole of the New York subway. 
And so right there in that little square up on the screen is the connection for a subway network that feeds the whole of the city of New York. That is the nexus. So people come, people go. People arrive, people depart. It's a point where people come to go further into the city above ground. By the way, that subway station is multi-level underground. It is a nexus point for the subway, a central point of connection, a central point of release, a central point of linking, a central central point of activating and releasing and sending. This church is a nexus. This church is a central point of community of believers. And in this place of arriving and sending, it's a place of connection, a place of linking faith and works, a place that releases activated disciples of Christ. And all of this creates connected momentum. Okay, so that's just the introduction. So like I said, we're going to do this in, in a, in a three-week part. So this week, the journey that we have been on, we're going to walk backwards into our future this morning. In the early 1970s, the Holy Spirit planted in the hearts of the church leadership of the time a vision of a place where people could not just come and find Christ but it would be a church that was a place of refreshing, a place of care and restoration, a place of worship, a place of training and sending, a place where people could grow, learn, and become all that Jesus had intended for them to be, a place of breakthrough. And when you think of the actual place called Elam, which is in, get this, it is in the desert of, called the desert of sin. Believe it or not, the oasis of Elam, go on Google Earth, still exists, and the desert around Elam is called Sin. Bizarre, but not so bizarre. How godly, how scriptural that a place of refreshing, a place of nourishment, a place of restoration, a place of coming in to be trained to be sent is right smack in a place called Sin. <laughs> okay, that baked my noodle, so... Anyway, so this was back in the 1970s. Jump forward later into the 1970s, the leadership team had been searching for a place that they could purchase and they could build upon. And they found a piece of land that was five and a half acres in size. And this is what it looked like in 1973 and in 1978 when they actually signed the purchase agreement. Bear land. It was bare land because right across the road, you'll notice, actually, I've got this little, I got, my, I got a toy this morning. I like toys. Right across the road, you see just there, I will show you a picture of why they are there very shortly. <clears throat> the church purchased this piece of land in 1978, and it took a whole year, no surprises, for the council and the subdivision regulations to go through. They are busy people. But once it finally went through, <clears throat> pardon me, in 1979, the church gathered. Oh, by the way, that five and a half acres in 1978 cost $100,000, <laughs> which is probably close to $10 million today. But anyway, and uh, actually, believe it or not, that, that little triangle on the end there, which goes all the way to end of Burley Road, 
If they'd had another 80,000, they could have purchased that as well. Because <laughs> the actual, the, the original vision and the original dream on that corner there was to build a retirement village so that the elderly didn't have to go far to get to church. Wow. How cool is that? Yeah. That's pretty special. The land's been built on. So maybe we just have to buy all the houses. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so between 1979 and 1981, jump forward to the next picture. We now have a 90, and this is what it looked like in 1983. We have, there's our church auditorium, and there is what's called, what we now call A Block. So the first wing of the school, the A Block was opened in April of 1981, and what you're sitting in now was opened in October of 1981. And by the way, that little building right there was the original church building that this church gathered in on Scott Street. And uh, when this land was purchased, someone bought that building and moved it on. And that building is now where our Seekers kids are gathering and is now our school library, which is how cool is that? Eh? I just love that sort of stuff. So, like I said, down here, there's a funny grid pattern, and this used to be bare land, because if we look at the next picture, this is what the church had every summer across the road. This is 1987, and right there are 26,000 sheep, because <laughs> right across the road were the sale yards, because just here in the bottom left of this corner is the A&P showgrounds, the agricultural and pastoral showgrounds. And so they had the A&P showgrounds, they had the sale yards, and then they came to Elam. <laughs> Middle of summer. The color looks about like it does today, doesn't it? Middle of summer. It used to be really interesting on a warm summer evening with a light, a gentle easterly breeze <laughs> blowing across the sale yards. We, we caught a nasal picture of the sheep and the goats that the Bible talk about. <laughs> Anyway, in 1981, the school wing and the church auditorium were opened, and the church began to form. The place of nexus began to grow. I said earlier that when we use the word vision, we need to replace destination thinking with a journey mindset. Why do we need to have vision and journey built in together? Because of this reason. Well, one of two reasons. First one is this. Vision is outworked with incremental adaptation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, from the Message Translation, I just, I, I got so excited about this. Let me read it to you. That's plain enough, isn't it? This is the Apostle Paul writing to the people in Ephesus. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders, you belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the, and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, and Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us 
built into it a temple in which God is quite at home. If that doesn't explain a church, then I'll eat my hat and I own a few. This church, when I read that, and this church is a home where people no longer need to feel like exiles, strangers, or outsiders. You belong here. Thank you, Ross. <laughs> I'm just, isn't, isn't, isn't that what Jesus is about? Isn't that what his house is about? Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, again from the message translation. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew or non-Jew, slave and free, male and female, among, among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Every one of you belong. Every one of us, we're on an equal footing here. Please, please, please understand that we are on an equal footing before Christ, our Lord and our Savior. There are no divas in this house. In this establishing of God's church, Jesus was and Jesus still is the penultimate nexus. It talked about in, <clears throat> excuse me, in the earlier verse about Jesus being the cornerstone. And I have another verse for you in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone, it is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. And the really important thing about the cornerstone of a building is that the, the shape and the lines of the entire structure is set off that cornerstone. One side, the next side. The lines went that way. The line went that way. Everything was set and established on that cornerstone. It, is, it was an, an unchangeable, and to use a good Bible word, it was an immutable building rule. Everything was set on the cornerstone, and God himself declares that Jesus is our cornerstone. Every connection, every line, everything that was established and released in a building was set on that cornerstone. And that's what this church is. He is the central focal point and the connection point. He is the nexus that connects us. Say that 10 times quickly. He's the nexus that connects us. He's the nexus that connects us. He's the nexus that connects us. He, you can actually do it. He connects us, he activates us, he releases us, he draws us in. And from here, he calls us out to go into all the world and make disciples. Mark 16, 15 through 18. Then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Here's point number two. Vision continues with intentional resilience. Any journey takes time and the need to be resilient to hold on to the vision that God gives us. As I was writing this message, I was busy texting 
uh, Ian Bilby, who was the pastor of this church at the time. He was the pastor and the leader of the leadership team that caught the vision to build the church and the school back in the 70s. And I was texting him backwards and forwards, and, and uh, he finished his time up here in 1985, and so he didn't get to physically see what we have now. But we invited him down for our school's 40th birthday in 2021. And as he walked around the property, he kept saying to me, this is what I saw. This is what I saw. And then he stopped and he went, actually, it's a bit flasher than what I saw. <laughs> but this is what I saw. This is what I saw. And Ian, if you're joining us online today, I just want to honor you and your faithfulness and saying yes to God, you and your leadership team of the time. You see, a journey of this sort requires people, it requires community, it requires the whole village to recognize, embrace, celebrate, support, and you know what, at times, dig deep, and at times, comfort, and at times, carry each other. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. Ian said, this is what I saw, but actually he didn't get to see it until two years ago. It's the evidence of things we cannot see through, through their faith. This is our Bible heroes. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Jump forward a few verses to verses 39 and 40. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. That's a really interesting statement. God had something better in mind for us so they would not reach perfection without us. I want you to think about this. Vision is not destiny. Vision is journey. So even now we've got some really nice stuff here. God's still got a better plan. I mean, he hasn't returned yet. So, we now jump forward uh, from what was it? What was the last? What was the last date I gave you? 1987. We now jump forward to 2002. And you'll notice that there's not a lot structural that's different, except for trees and playgrounds and oh, and the Super Kids supercar track, because that became a very important part of what we did in the holidays. But whilst there's not a lot of structural change out, happening on the outside, there were changes happening on the inside. For a start, this church got a new pastor. Me! <laughs> and they went, what are we up for? As I spent time with the Lord in those earlier years of leading the church here, he spoke into my spirit three specific points of significance that he has placed over this church. And I've spoken them over this church ever since. And today, I will do it again. Why? Because it's good to be reminded of our stories, walking backwards into the future. It's good to hear them again, and maybe for some of you to hear them for the first time. Each year, I become more convinced of these three things. Each time I think on them, they become more embedded in my heart. And here, here they are. God spoke over this church three levels of significance in three ways. The first one was this, significant in impact through imparting into our community. 
the second being significant in numerical size, because it is with the larger size, we can increase our impartation into the community. There is greater, there is greater resource and people and finance and time. And so God, God really literally wants us to impact and impart into our community. The bigger we are, the better that can happen. But overgirding, uh, undergirding and overarching, fully encompassing, those two is the third level of significance, and that is significant in longevity. These three levels of significance are in themselves a point of nexus. You see, imparting into and impacting our community only happens through connection. And growth in size is a sign of health and strength. This is not for us to become proud or haughty, but it activates a release that's greater and greater and reaches greater and greater levels of ability to be able to impart an impact. And uh, I, I don't want to steal Amber's thunder. I know a little bit of what she's going to share next week. But I want you to think about what we've been building for the last five years just down here on our property. Blenheim's only other college that is not exclusive. That, and this, I think, Julian, we started this year with 200 and, no, it's 300 and, 340-ish students. The Ministry of Education has capped us at 345. Oh, 327. There we go. Ask the, the administration manager. They know these details. So we started at 327. We've only got 45 minus 27 left, whatever that may be. Longevity is the undergirding strength and the authenticity of the first two Longevity establishes trust. We come back to the fire. For a fire to have the greater impact, it needs to continue to burn. And so that, that, the, the longer a fire is, is there and is established, then people can trust that there's heat and light and safety and security around that. Longevity solidifies connection. Longevity allows more and more connections as the community around us grows and the community around us begins to trust us. And then this nexus happens and connected momentum happens. We have a calling, a mission, and a commission by God. We are commissioned by God as individuals and as a collective group. You know what? You just have to believe that. These levels of significance can only happen when we have nexus, connected momentum, because in this place, every person has a place. And in this place, every person has a purpose. That's scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And I won't start there because I won't stop finish preaching. I won't stop preaching on that verse. And one of the things that we absolutely, absolutely believe in Elam across the nation and across the world is that every person is a minister. Not every person is a pastor, but every person is a minister. That means you can minister out of the gift and the calling that's on your life wherever you go, wherever your world is. They say only 5% of believers end up doing what I do as a pastor. That means 95%. That means you guys, what are you going to do? And where are you going to do it? In your world. And what are you going to do? You're going to reflect Jesus. Now, there is a warning that comes with significance, and I want to read it to you out of the scriptures. Whew. 
Genesis chapter 11, verses four through seven. Then they said, come let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down and to look at the city and the people and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the people with different languages, then they won't be able to understand each other. Now, we know that's when the the Bible talks about the Tower of Babel, and it was called Babel or Babel because lots of different languages. But I want to ask you this question, was their dream wrong? Was their unity wrong? Answer, I believe the answer is no. What was wrong? It was their motivation. What was their motivation? We want to be famous and we don't want to be scattered. What was the original job description? Scatter, be fruitful and multiply. For what purpose? To make God famous. These people, we want to be famous and we don't want to scatter. Completely contrary to the original job description. Be fruitful and multiply and carry my reflection to the whole world. There's the warning that comes with significance. We have got to be mindful of our motivation. We've got to be mindful that when we've been asked to do something by God, it's for God, not for us. Very, a number of times throughout um, Sue's and my journey as, as uh, leaders here, right, actually right at the very beginning, we were asked this question. If your, dirt, if your church closed its doors today, would it be missed tomorrow? Or worse, would it, anyone even notice? And then the second question, which I, I was challenged by and I've challenged others by it, it's a great one. It's like, what do you want, prominence or influence? Well, if you want prominence, then you'll end up in Babel or Babel. If you want influence, then you start from the garden. I believe the answer to these questions is, is yes, for number one, our church would be missed. And the answer for number two is, I believe God wants us to be a people of influence. So, along with our schools, one of our largest impartations and impacts we have on our community is a Super Kids holiday program. And, uh, you know, we're getting 300-something kids a day. We've got, now got, it's now multi-generational. We've got kids of the original Super Kids coming. Right, I need to, oh, I need to bring this thing into land. Let's jump forward 10 years. Let's go from 2002 to 2012. And here's what it looks like in 2012 from the air. We've now added uh, a, a whole new classroom block, B block. We've added another building, which became the school library. And look at this. The whole Super Kids Playland and the hall have all been built. In 10 years, the land transformed from just this building here to all of this. If you've been here any length of time, you'll have heard me say that I believe a thriving church is like a well-oiled gearbox. And the whole thing about a gearbox is it doesn't matter what size the gear is in the gearbox, when it's well-oiled and everything meshes together, it doesn't matter which gear turns, but all the gears, all the gears turn. 
And if, some, if, if, the, if, if there's a bit of a struggle getting up the hill, then you change down a gear and you employ different gears and the momentum carries. And, the, and you, we, when everything turns, there is beautiful momentum. The church is not a bunch of silo, grain silos going, step away from my grain. This is mine. Go away. No, 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 no. It's a gearbox. We help each other turn it's through collective effort and intermeshed gears that we gain momentum, that we have connected momentum, that we have nexus. Ephesians 4.16, under his direction, the whole body is what? Fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. And so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The vision and the mission of this church is to bring the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our world. You see, being a Christian is both spiritual and practical. We live with an eternal mindset, but we operate with an earthly mission. On our earthly mission in 2018, we took a giant leap forward and we were given permission to build the college. And so in 2018, we expend, extended the library building. If you want to go back to the previous picture, please, Mel. In 2018, we had six months to create a classroom for the first college year. And so what we did was we took this building here, the, what was the library building, we blew the north wall off and we built, we extended that building and created a classroom there. We also blew the wall out of this classroom here and created room four. But this is 2012. Let's jump forward eight years. We now have the extended library, which is the classroom in it, and we have built what we now call C Block. Took a huge step. Righto, let's just punch through this really quick. 2021. C-Block's built. The next year, we start building E-Block, and you can see that it's the middle of summer. It's burnt brown. And then we jump forward into, wait, 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 Two years, jump forward. And this is what it looks like now. So we finished E-Block, and we added F-Block, and now the whole thing's called E-Block. We've got the basketball court. We've added two large transportable buildings there. There's two small transportable buildings in here, and we've added what we call K-Block, which is for our 001 school. We've done all these car park alterations as well. Now, like I said, this is Kamua Kamuri walking backwards into our future. Why did I show you this? Because from 1973 to 2023, this is the transformation. A 50-year journey, but we are not done yet. We are not done yet. As we build and as we believe and as we step into the word of God over our church, over our lives, as part of this church, we become established in our calling. We build and strengthen each other in God, and we are a blessing to our community. We have connected momentum. We have nexus. This creates a place where others can find God, that the church family grows, and we are established into what God has intended for us. The church becomes a God-inspired nexus.